0: Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. How is everybody? Good. Welcome. Glad you're here. Pray for rain. Man, we need some rain. I know the farmers around us are really asking for that. So keep praying for rain. We had that little bit yesterday. Did we get a little bit? Like very little. It Didn't last very long, but we could use some. I know the farmers really need it. Uh, also, uh, we just want to speak healing and re- full recovery to Lamar. Uh, Father, we just can you just stretch out your hands, pretend like Lamar's like right up, here, right up here. Father, in Jesus' name, we just speak life over Lamar. I ask for a full restoration of everything in his brain. We thank you, Jesus, that what uh, the good work that you have started in him, you will finish. Thank you, Jesus, for a full recovery for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Okay. So what is our theme for this year, Chris? Manifest? Manifest, Measure and multiply, multiply. Chris. Good job. I called on you because I was really hoping you'd know that, and you did. I'm proud of you. Uh, can anybody shout out to me what you think manifest means? We've talked about it, but if you don't want to, it's fine. I can do it for you. You might want to be a, like a brown noser type person. God
1: revealing himself to
0: us. Okay, how about God revealing himself through, through us? us yes. yes. If we are all made in the image and nature of God the Father, as beloved sons and daughters, and I can't think of a higher, better call on our lives and to reveal who our Father is through ourselves. Children of God means that we literally bring to the earth his nature, his love, his character in every area we go. Very, very cool, very high privilege. I can't think of a better one. And then the measure means that we actually look at our lives practically realistically and honestly, and say, hey, look, these are the areas where I'm really seeing his nature and character, and then here's some other areas where I'm not. And then being honest with yourself about that, and even getting to the point where you're, like, you're tracking it, like you're actually paying attention to it, and hoping that you see more of him, and more of his love, and more of his glory being manifest through your life. And then hopefully the multiply part is that you literally see all of this measurement growing abundantly, and then you join forces with really good guys like Chris and say, we're going to do great things in the earth because you're manifesting his nature, but it's a little bit different than I am, but we need each other to bring that forth in the earth. And my heart is not just this church, but actually the church begins to take that kind of mandate pretty seriously. And so today, we've been talking about how then, how the gifts of the Spirit and the the Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher from Ephesians chapter 4 have been fitting into that. And I want to continue doing that, but I couldn't help it. I woke up this morning with something a little, I mean, it's it's in this same vein, but uh, it doesn't necessarily go to the gifts and the fivefold, maybe it'll tie back in, but... uh, I don't want to call it prophetic yet, but maybe by the end we will. But I have like this word in me that I just want to share with you guys, and I think it's short and sweet. You might even get out of here early today. So, Father, I just ask that our hearts would open to you, that we would pause our lives, our thoughts. And that we would see you as you are that our the eyes of our heart would behold you we just invite you to talk to us. We're your children, sons and daughters. We didn't come here by accident. We didn't come here casually. We're intentional. We want to grow up into you. Thank you for your spirit, Father, that dwells in us and helps us to do that very thing. So, Lord, we just draw from you now. Jesus name. Amen. I hope you guys heard what uh, Ishmael was sharing today, because you got probably one of the most clearest and concisest high priest teachings you will probably ever hear. So I don't know how many people paid attention to that, but Ishmael. What the world, man? Like, where'd that come from? I mean, he brought you from Melchizedek to Hebrews and back and showed you the whole high priest concept. Did you guys hear it? Powerful. And how Jesus invites us now into that place that once only a few could ever go. And Jesus did it himself for us and continues to be our high priest. So in all seriousness, you kind of got the sermon out of the way today so now I can just talk. And I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, that was really really good. Really good. I just I'm just going to talk to you guys today. I feel like there's a temptation that many of us are facing and if you haven't if you're not facing it now, you have faced it in the past or you will face it in the future, but I think it's more of a general overall temptation that we can choose for our lives not to matter. I think that the constant temptation, one of the constant temptations specifically to human beings is that we don't have to matter. You can just do the little stuff and you can not address bigger things that are going on in the world today. You can just live small if you want to. I think that temptation is always in front of us. And if we fall to it, if we fall to the temptation that our lives just aren't going to matter or they're just going to matter to a couple people, don't get me wrong, it's not bad for your life to only matter to a couple people, but I can promise you God was not thinking that way when he put you in your mother's womb if you fall to this temptation like there's a couple things that I think take place naturally as a result first of all we see small responsibilities as big which is not necessarily a bad thing but if you don't want your life to matter very much if you don't want to have a life of consequence I actually think one of the Christian schools in the area that's like one of their themes isn't it to have a life of consequence isn't that shalom yeah I love that term Lives of consequence. You can choose whether or not to have a life that literally has consequence, has meaning, has impact. But one of the ways you minimize that impact is you look at small responsibilities and magnify them as really big. And they become not overwhelming, but like big enough that you couldn't add anything else to your life. And one of the things that I think the world system does is it makes but the kingdom of God or what the heavenly perspective would call a small responsibility, the systems of this world will tell you that's huge. And in the name of something big and you got to carry it, I think heaven is lacking its expansion in the earth as a result. So don't get me wrong. It's okay to see small responsibilities as big because then like, look, has anybody ever heard it or have you ever said to yourself like, the small stuff's important. Like if you do the small stuff well, then eventually you'll do the big stuff well. There's a parable in the Bible that says, he who is faithful with will be faithful with. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is it's okay to be faithful with the little, but don't call the little much. If you hear that parable, you hear that the entire purpose of God giving you a little is so that you can show yourself that you can handle big. Do you guys hear this? And I think there's a trap in being given a little thinking it's big. And like that parable, if you don't realize it or not, and it's a couple different times throughout the Gospels, it's about money. And I personally think that money, job, wealth, whatever it is, has a tendency to take a much bigger portion of your mind share than the kingdom of heaven would like it to. That said, how you handle it will show you how you handle heavenly things. Jesus taught that. But the temptation is, and Jesus said this as well, you know, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil, right? So, If you want to have a life that doesn't matter very much, then you will see these small responsibilities as huge. But but those small responsibilities can keep us from where our lives can have real big impact. So I just want to say that to you. There's There's these three things that I want to get to you before I kind of lay out some teaching here. So the temptation that our lives will not matter much means that we see small responsibilities as big. We see small problems as big. We will take small problems and we will magnify. Has anybody ever done it? Like something small that you could probably handle with a good, logical decision or a real simple humbling of yourself. Anybody? Like I, I do it all the time too. We can take these small little problems that if you just deal with it with the Holy Spirit, you can move on. No, no, we got to make these things. Mole, mole hills in the mountains, Right? Like, if we see small problems as big, then this means that we don't believe that we're capable of handling, like, the big problems that society's dealing with. And I am telling you, so many of the larger issues that are going on in your life, in the community, even in the nations of the earth, like, I know you live in a small little town in a, in a state that sounds like no other state's name, like, what other state sounds like Pennsylvania? <laughs> Do you ever think about it? All the other states, Pennsylvania. Like, where'd that number come from? It sounds like it's like Dracula's hometown or something like that, right? Like, but you might very well be a really big part of a solution to a huge issue in the earth. But if your problems are overwhelming you, how could you ever be? Hello? So small problems as big. Big. And then the last one is, when when you fall to the temptation that my life's really not going to matter much in the earth, then we see small opportunities as big. And this keeps us from the ones, like, there are opportunities in front of every one of us right now that can make generational differences. Every one of you in this room, I don't care how old you are, there's an opportunity somewhere close that can change the generations coming after you. I feel like that's a prophetic word I want to give to you all. And some of you are taking them and I just want to honor you and I'm praying for you because I want to see you take bigger opportunities than you've taken before. But the problem is your small opportunities, you've magnified them. And the result is I can't see past this small opportunity, which back to the whole faith with little, faith with much. If you handle this with him, In wisdom, that's what we talked about at the beginning of the year, every single opportunity, situation, problem, relationship, if you start with wisdom, it'll stay in its proper perspective. Wisdom helps every opportunity and problem stay in its proper perspective. I can promise you this. There is nothing being offered to you right now that you cannot handle with him. I say that with all confidence. And if you can't handle it, I promise you there's someone else in your life who, if you partner with them, you could easily overcome and move forward. It's the po- that's the part, the point of the body of Christ. So I want to kind of review a little bit about this term manifest, because this term manifest is just rolling on the inside of me. Each one of us or thoughtfully, reverently, In Psalm 139, it says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Do You guys remember that? Fearfully, okay? And who made you? Let's just, can we all say this together? Who made you? God God made you. you. Okay, think about this. God fearfully made. Do you ever think about that? I have never put the word fear and the word God in the same sentence with each other. And have that word describe something about him or him himself. Yet he, through David, gives David a revelation that when I was forming you, it was the, the word fear. There doesn't mean I was afraid. It was more like he was reverent. It was more the idea, like guys, everyone needs to just stop a minute because I gotta concentrate. I am making something holy. And he didn't just do this haphazardly with everybody, like a general, I'm making you all feel, no, individually, thought about Dan, thought about Jen over there. And it's just like, I am thinking, and I am like, like I, when I think about the Lord doing this, like I feel, I feel like he is almost like, all right, I'm just gonna tell you how I see it. I see him on his knees. I see the father of all creation on his knees, shaping and forming, even if it's in his own imagination. Have you ever bowed in your heart? Have you ever bowed in reverence in your own heart? Like, I see the Lord doing that, making Andy Everett. Thinking about who he was going to marry and his two beautiful blonde-headed kids coming after him. And he's like, I need to make sure that this takes place and this happens. And it's almost as if he is looking at this as if it's the only one he's making. That level of reverence when it says fearfully and wonderfully. When he was, and he was doing that with each one of you. Even my brother over here, by the way, everyone, my brother's here today. This guy that kind of looks like me. It's my brother, his wife, and his two beautiful children. My nieces are here today. But he's even thinking about my brother that way. Every single one of you. Fearfully, reverently. When Like, if you think about yourself, it's almost easier to think about other people that way. Like, God was making other people that way. He was making my wife that way. Or he was making Jason that way. Guys, he was making you that way. If you would pause and have that level of reverence that he had about you, I think something shifts in the way you view yourself the way you're going to make the next decision, the way you decide how you're going to treat someone else, because you realize how I talk to you or how I treat Chris or how I'm going to relate to Jason is going to reflect on the one who fearfully and wonderfully shaped me, formed me, made me. Do you even feel the reverence setting in as I'm talking about it? Like, I'm feeling that. And I'm realizing that this life can't be haphazardly lived when there was that level of reverence shaping and forming it and thinking about it and bringing it to reality in this time, for such a time as this. Each one of us were thoughtfully, reverently, and lovingly made by our Heavenly Father. And I think its it should be an ongoing awareness that we have and I think if that is an ongoing awareness we have, then I think that we're we're at the seed stage of a life that matters, of a life that actually has real impact in the earth. Doesn't just pay bills, maybe get a raise or a promotion or whatever it is. Like, but no, I'm talking about a serious bringing heaven to earth life. I think it starts at seed form in the revelation that you were made fearfully and wonderfully by a father who loves you. And no one is exempt from that. You do not exist outside of that same origin. And that's why I think Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, guys, I don't know where you think you are and what you think you're doing, but you need to go back to your beginning. Remember when he told Nicodemus, you must be born again? He was telling him, you need to go back to your beginning, where you came from, and reoriginate yourself because the way you're living is not in line with how you were created. To be born again means that. It doesn't mean you don't get to go to hell. Please, I need you to know that that is not a gospel that is in any way good news. The good news is you were lovingly created by a father who didn't just lovingly create you and then say, hope it goes well, This is a father who walks alongside of you so much so that he puts his very spirit in us. And like Ishmael said, and then he writes his law here. Like, it's the biggest cheat code I've ever seen. You can't lose. Yet people are losing all over the place. And I think it's because of this simple, simple thing. Sorry, my computer's trying to do something else. There we go. This origin that I'm talking about, this origin of remembering where we came from, and not just where we came from. It's one thing to think about, okay, yeah, I came from God. It's another thing to realize that it was love that birthed you. It's love that brought you forth, and it was reverence that brought you forth, and it was intention that brought you forth. No one exists by accident. No one exists Why not? Let's make, and he says a name. None of us is that way. All of us join in with David in that same revelation, fearfully and wonderfully. That's why life is so incredibly valuable. Every life. It matters how you talk to people. It matters how you treat people. And it matters how you talk to and treat yourself. Jesus was given some pretty powerful wisdom. He said, love one another as you love yourself. Like, I don't, because he actually gave you a new commandment after that. But let's go back to that one for a second. He first tells you to love one another as you love yourself. I actually think that's less of a command and more of a wake-up call. How are you doing loving yourself? I think it's less of a command and more of a look at how you treat yourself. Do you take yourself seriously? Do you actually think that you're incredible? It is not arrogant to think you're incredible. I actually think it's humility. Because when you think you're incredible, you take yourself seriously, and you don't just throw your life around like it's not a big deal. How are we doing? Are we okay? Love your neighbor as yourself, I think is Jesus saying, whoa, pause. Before you love another person, would you take a look at where you actually think you came from and where you're in your life in? Because then he gives us a new commandment. What's the new commandment? Shout it out. Love one another as I have loved you. Completely different source. Now you're not loving based upon how you love yourself. Has anybody screwed that up royally? And then as a result, you love everybody terribly. You judge people like you judge yourself. You criticize people like you criticize yourself. I can promise you right now, if there are people in your life who judge you harshly, criticize you, or look down on you, that's what's going on inside of them. Hello? That's where people are. And look, you can't hide in this life how you treat others. You are showing the world how you treat yourself how you think about others. They don't even need to know how you think, but how you think about others is often a mirror of how you think about yourself. But then Jesus says, I can help with all this. I can help with all this. I'm going to give you my spirit. And then how I love you, just take that love, turn, and love others. Ishmael said it. It's no longer I that live. Christ who lives in me. Like Paul was like, I am realizing that this last 40 or whatever years of his life where he was a Pharisee and doing his thing, he realized that's nothing. Now I can actually love with the love that he loves me with because our love fails. Our love, like don't forget the other thing he said, "Love love your neighbor as yourself. What was the first thing he said? Love the Lord your God with what? How many people's soul, mind, strength fail? I think that entire verse, those two verses, he's actually not only summing up the law and the prophets, but he's also showing, showing you the frailty of the law and the prophets. And that's why he said, Paul says later, all of that was to bring us to grace. All of the law, all the prophets, all of that stuff before, it was actually supposed to fail, on purpose, so that it would bring us face to face with him. And now we realize life only makes sense living in the face of the Lord, drawing from his spirit. How we doing? So now we love one another as he loves us. For me, that's the key to Manifest. That's the key to a life that actually matters long term, generationally. If you want people to talk about and be influenced by the impact of your life now in 100, 200 years, we have to start with this simple revelation that you are absolutely and completely loved by your Father. It sounds so simple. It sounds like the milkiest message you will ever hear. But if you don't have this rock solid revelation at the base of who you are, you will live small. I'm being quiet on purpose. (laughs) I got lots to say, but I wanted to settle in because it seems overly simple And World Harvest, we've been talking about this for years. But this this concept of sonship, this concept of people are actually sons and daughters of a Father who loves us, that revelation has got to be the bedrock of our lives. So to manifest means to reveal and make known this nature and character of the Father who made us. That's what it means to manifest. Manifest. And all around us are those responsibilities, problems, and opportunities that are actually calling for the image and nature of the Father in us. That's why they're there. So if any of you just want vacation on Myrtle Beach for the rest of your lives, guys, that will never call on the nature and character of the Father in you. You exist to have problems. Write that one down. You exist for opportunities. You exist for responsibility. Yeah, this is not one of those messages you wanted to hear today, huh? That's why your life is here. So if you only take on the small ones... If you only take on the small problems, if you only take on the small responsibilities, if you only take on the small opportunities, then the footprint of my father's nature and character is six-month-old footprint. You ever see those, like when they're first born, you do the little footprint? That's how it stays. So the footprint of the nature and character of the father remains small on the earth. Is that what he wants? I believe, if I remember right, in the Old Testament said, Isaiah, that of the increase of the kingdom or of the government shall be no end. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. That means it's constantly growing and increasing. We read a couple weeks ago that we are to be growing up into all things into him. The entire point of you still breathing air is that you grow into something sounds like, looks like, shines like, where you came from. Overly simple. I actually think we've made this life overly complicated when it's really simple. I think the entire point of manifestation is that, okay, small responsibilities. I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them seriously, but they're not going to keep me from bigger ones. Opportunities. I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them seriously, and then I'm going to... Use those as seed for bigger opportunities. I think the entire point of this life is to keep scaling yourself. Anybody ever heard that term? To scale yourself. So you take something, five, whatever five is, and how do you scale five? Ten. Or, who wants to be a little aggressive and square it? What's five squared? Good job. Little math class today. I think the entire point of every problem you face is that you handle it, solve it, and then go for bigger. Now, no one ever thinks about that with problems. (laughs) Most people think about a problem like, we solved that problem. (sighs) Anybody else? Like, please don't send me a bigger one. Anybody ever? Like, I've actually prayed that, like, Lord, that's good. We did it. Let's take a break. The entire point is it's training for the bigger one. But we don't, oftentimes, I won't say never, but oftentimes we don't think that way. We actually think, I hope there's not another problem. You exist for them. I think you get an education to solve problems, I think you get another year older to take an opportunity. If you still breathe, there's an opportunity waiting for you. There is not, I, I sorry, my father-in-law's in the room, but he knows this too because that dude is retired and he is taking opportunities and he inspires me. And I'm so tired of people that cannot wait to get to the age that they retire and then they literally die within a very short period of time after retirement because there's nothing else to solve. There's nothing else to take on. There's nothing else to do. Your life exists to be applied to something. And whatever it's applied to, that, whatever it's applied to, is calling on the image and nature of the Father in you to manifest itself. Hello? Yeah. I think the entire reason why human beings grow up to work is so that God's like, I need that out there. I want it to interact with people. I want it to... We think the whole big deal is the job. Nope, it's the people you're interacting with. It's the opportunities that are available because you're taking that job. If you're not careful, you're going to take the small responsibility called the job and make it the big responsibility. No, the job's the small. The big is the kingdom that's waiting to be advanced in and through it. How are we doing? Great. Yeah, thank you, Jason. So I think the classic question that I would ask as a result is, why don't we take on bigger things? Like, why don't we? Why don't we want a bigger problem after we solve the smaller one? Why do we feel good about, hey, I took on that opportunity and it went really well, but you know what? I think that opportunity is about my ceiling. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, I think I'm at my ceiling... Why don't we take on bigger opportunities? And I would would probably think if I were to shout it out to you, one of the first answers would be fear. Oh, look at that. Several people said it. I would think it is. Because like, a problem is, okay, that's good, but what's the next one? Fear of the unknown. Fear, can I handle it? Is it bigger than me? Is the opportunity going to crush me? Is the responsibility going to be, I can't handle it and I won't do it well? Like, I think people think good. Like, like I think if you want to take on a responsibility, most of you think to yourself, Will I do a good job. And that's a good thought to have. But I actually think there's a root to that fear. I actually don't think fear is the real answer why you don't take on bigger things, why I don't take on bigger things. I think the root of that fear is we don't trust that God loves us that much. I think that's the root of all fear. There's a belief out there that at some point in time, we will fall. There's a belief out there that at some point in time, we will fail or it will destroy us. Or, like we said, because we think, well, we'll destroy other people. And I'm not saying that that thought isn't I think it's based in something good, but its end result is the same thing as what we're talking about here. If we could grow, and I'm I'm bringing this full circle, like I said, super simple message. I'm not going deep on you. Ishmael already gave you the deep stuff. Like, I think if we could grow in our revelation of how loved we are by this Father who made us, I think every problem would have its proper perspective. I think our every responsibility that's being offered to us, we think, I think we can handle that. I think every opportunity that presents itself, actually, I think there's a lot of opportunities that are currently in front of you that your eyes can't even see. Simply because it's just like you're blinded by, whether it's the fear that we just talked about or like you hear somebody say something and you think nothing of it, And someone else who has an opportunity mindset hears it, and hears an opportunity in it. There's differences. It's the classic thing, and I've heard this said by people who are like investors and things like that. Like, if you see a bunch of people running out of something, run in. Have you heard that said by like investor-type mindset people? Like, those who are bold see opportunity in the burning building. Where most people are like, get me out of this burning building. It's like sell, they all start selling their stocks, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's a money thing. But in reality is, opportunity mindset looks at something and even though it seems dark or seems destroyed or seems like it's going to be awful, someone who knows they're loved by the Father sees a seed of opportunity in it. Take it out of, out of the scope of money and put it into people. Most of us, and I've heard this term a lot of times, get all the people out of your life that don't benefit you. Have you ever heard that little mantra or that little mindset? I think that is one of the worst pieces of advice you could ever give anybody. If you got rid of everyone in your life that didn't benefit you, who would be left? Let's just go down that road for a second. Who would be left in your life? Well, I hope it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> no, we do. We do. But there would only be the people that benefit you. Okay? Let's just go down that road. So if it's only people that benefit you, let's go back to the whole vacation mindset. You might get chubby. You might get all the cake you want. But guys, you don't grow by getting in the kingdom. You grow by getting giving. Like, I'm telling you, it is the opposite. When you, whatever the world system tells you is how you grow, it's the opposite. Like, you want problems. Problems is how you advance. Opportunities, even though you have to invest, you actually take from yourself. That's how you invest, right? Everybody knows this, right? Really simple definition of investing. Take from what you have and put it somewhere, and what's your hope? That it returns to you that's an opportunity. An opportunity means you take what you have, which is really hard because you have it. The hardest thing to give is something you have because you have it and it's your security. Anybody? Come on, your savings account, the stuff that you have, you save it. You don't want to give it because if you don't, if you give it, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But that's the whole point of an opportunity. The whole point of the opportunity is you take the image and nature of the Father on the inside of you and you invest it into that opportunity and that opportunity could grow and manifest the nature bigger. It's the entire point. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. For me, I see a formula in that. The formula is we are loved, and as a result, we love. Now, I know, again, super simple, but I want you to think about this. If your revelation of your father's love for you is this big, and the love that the father has from you only comes through that little circle, then that is the circle by which you then turn around and give it out into the earth. As you grow that revelation of how much the Father loves you, then you in turn grow how much you can love into the earth. Like I think when it really boils down to, and I think as you get older, you start to see this more. And as I talk to people who are, you know, getting closer to the end of their life, they think this way. Everything about life is about how much you love. I think you invest by how much you love. You might not see it at the time that way. I think you give yourself by how much you love. I think you take opportunities or don't take opportunities by how much you love. I think you take on problems or avoid problems by how much you love. And how much you love is determined by how much you believe you are loved. The root of this is so simple. Do you believe, do you trust that you have, and don't, a father who loves you, but I want you to think about who the father is in this thing. This is the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. This is the God who the earth is the fullness, that, like it's all his. This all belongs to him. He's the maker of everything. He is the most high. Jesus says that he, uh, about Jesus, it says that he arose above every rule and every authority and sits in the highest place. This is who we're loved by. Is there a higher authority to be loved by? I like guess not getting in, I can see. It's just only getting into a few. It means you can overcome any amount of pain being offered to you. But the key is, and I think the Holy Spirit is in our life to first and foremost consistently remind us of how incredibly loved we are. And when we're incredibly loved, then whatever's in front of us is possible. I am concerned, and this is just Mark being honest with you, I'm concerned that too many of us are letting really small things trip us up because our optical lens or whatever it is you want to call the symbology of how much God loves us is small. And I think in many cases, the reason why we can't imagine God loving us that much is because we look at ourselves and we don't see value, or we don't see as much value as he does. And I think another, I'm just going to hit on a couple of my pet peeves. Another pet peeve I have is that God loves you because God is love. 1 John says God is love, right? So the only reason why he loves you is because he is love. And I disagree with that statement. I actually think he loves you because you're lovable. And that makes a really big difference if God loves you because he is love, then you can be an absolute, huh? Yeah, I I had some words too, Amanda. And he still loves you. And I don't think there's any motivation for change. There's no motivation for growth in that. If God only loves you because he is love, But if the motivation is you're actually fearfully and wonderfully made and a beloved child, something shifts on the inside of you and that takes place. And we've talked about this before, but I'll bring this up too. Like our classic model of Christianity, I think, is broken. The idea that Jesus' blood is shed to cover you because God can't look at sin. Anybody ever heard that as the, you know, the kind of like the crux of the gospel? The crux of the gospel is Jesus had to die to shed his blood to cover Jason because Jason is an abomination to a God who is holy and perfect. So as long as the blood covers Jason, then God can look at Jason and welcome him into the kingdom of heaven. I actually think that's a terrible gospel because it says you're awful. At its crux, it says that people are awful. When the reality is sin is real, but what it did is it marred the beauty of who God originally created human beings to be. The really good news is that you're incredible. But the choices that you made and what sin invited you into took you off that path. That's what it means. Sin means to miss the mark. You miss the mark. God comes, restores his spirit to you, and gets you back on the path that leads you to the mark. And I think the mark is what he was thinking about when he made you. I think the mark is what, oh my goodness. Angels, come here. Look what I'm doing. I'm making Andy over here, and look what he's going to do. Look at this. Look at Jason. Look what, look what I'm thinking about. And I actually think his thoughts became flesh and became you. And then when we walk with his spirit again, we get a right. We get set back on the path that leads to life. And I think the path that leads to life is the original reason why he made us. And we begin to think seriously about ourselves. We're not haphazard. We're not casual. We're not like, eh, it doesn't matter. Maybe next week I'll start taking myself seriously. But in that week, you could really mess up the trajectory of your life for years to come. If we have a small, like, window which we believe we're loved, the result is that we think any challenge, any opportunity, any problem that comes our way will only be met by our own strength and our own ability because God loves us small. And so I can't take on big challenges because my strength and my ability cannot handle those bigger problems and bigger opportunities that's what it really comes down to. Because we're loved small, any challenge or opportunity beyond a certain size, pretty much the size of the love of God that we see, anything else has got to be met by our own own ability, and it'll fail. So we just back off. And many of us back off because we run into the limit of how much God loves us. I know it might not seem that way in the moment when you're not taking the opportunity or when you're not facing up to that challenge or you're backing off the cutting edge of your own life. But I'm telling you, at the root of it is you believe that you will, only, you will be the only one standing there when you take it on. And you don't realize that you have the full weight and breadth of the heavenly dimension at your disposal and at the ready. All you have to do is say yes. That's all you have to do. I believe inside of your yes is the door of heaven to earth. And in that moment, the, the the opening in which you see God's love grows. Every time you take something on, your understanding of how much you're loved and supported and secured by this Father who loves you expands and grows. Has anybody have proof of that in their own life? Nobody raised their hand? I just, okay, I saw a couple. There we go. You've already proved him. Remember the old hymns? I've proved him o'er and o'er. That's the point. The point is I stand in front of the storm. I stand in front of the opportunity and his love grows. Mm. That's the recipe for a bigger life. That's the recipe of a life that brings heaven to earth. That's the recipe of a life that generations after you will walk in the legacy of that. I believe our revelation of the love of the Father determines the size and scope of the responsibilities, problems, and opportunities we take on. At the end of the day, I think that's what it boils down to. Do I believe God is with me in this? Do I believe I am loved that much, I'm supported that much, that I can step into something bigger than I've ever stepped into before? And the answer is a resounding, heavenly yes. And I want that for every one of my family and friends. I want every single one of you to stop seeing yourselves as small and insignificant and little... uh, Oh, gosh, who's the guy? Why am I? Uh, no, the little guy who had, the Lord The Lord came, not Zacchaeus, because he was small too. Why am I forgetting his name? And he says, he comes to me, and says, oh, valiant warrior. And he says, I'm the least. Gideon. Gideon! I'm going to say Gabriel over and over again. That's why I didn't say it, but it's Gideon. Gideon saw himself as small, and the Lord had to show up in his room and say, oh, valiant warrior, and Gideon's looking around. Who are you talking about? And I feel like he's saying that to every single one of you. No matter what the problem, opportunity, or uh, responsibility that is in front of you, I feel the heart of your father saying, valiant warrior, stand heck up. That's what the word resurrect means, by the way. The word resurrect means stand up. And I I hear the call of your father as lovingly but as strongly saying, stand up, you're not dead yet. (laughs) You have opportunity in front of you. There is too much inside of you. Every one of us, whether we're conscious of it or not, we are living according to the view of God's love for us. And I just, I want to be a herald today. I want to be a Balaam's ass today. I don't know. And I just want to tell you he loves you that much and so much more, that you are bigger than you think you are. You are bigger than you think you are. You have more on the inside of you than you even realized yet. And I am prophetically Speaking to it today, I am calling on it. I am enticing it. I am tempting the nature and character of the Father on the inside of you. Come out, come out. There is more for you. You are not as small. You are not as weak. You are not as frail as your fears and your lack of trust tell you you are. You are bigger. You are stronger. You are a valiant warrior, and you have what it takes How you doing? Great. I don't know about you people. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Mark, I feel like the hardest part of your message is that for the people who are overwhelmed with small things, this is probably sounding like I can't handle
0: mm-hmm. that.
1: I feel like there almost needs to be uh, like a constant, me- like people who can't handle the small things need to find some way to have a mentor who can constantly encourage them to yeah. fix their almost self-talk.
0: -hmm.
1: saying, I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah, Um, because like I know even you know therapies to get people to clean their rooms is like just do one thing at a time. Right.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. Basically, if you didn't hear him, I think you did. Like, if you don't know how to handle what current responsibilities, problems, and opportunities are in your life right now, bring someone alongside of you. I think you start with wisdom. Wisdom is crying out right now in the streets saying, hey come over here so in all seriousness if you're like if some if what I'm saying to you today is like it's beckoning to something on the inside of you but you've got really big challenges on the mid in the midst of you like ask someone for some help and that asking for someone to help you is their opportunity to manifest right okay anybody else want to say something right when you have a full plate, like, you
1: know, yeah, like, like, you get something cleared up the plate. Four more things jump on huh and that basically it's just like you know, it's more. It gives you more, more focus and more power because you're like, you, whatever comes in your path is brought to you because you believe in him. Mm-hmm. And basically, he, you know, he will not give you much if you can't handle. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he's going to be there with you when you go and handle. it. Right on. That's how. For instance, I'm going to put a family out there, Cindy and Tim and Chris and Bill. Yeah. These people have been in my life for a long time, and they, I mean, they put on, they took on yeah. so much responsibilities for, for Bill, and like, I mean, they, yeah. my hat's off to them. Mm-hmm. Like, this family, like, <laughs> stuff just keeps on jumping on their plate. Right. I mean, but
0: why does it keep jumping on their plate? Because they handle what's it, been handed it, to them before.
1: It, yeah. uh, it, right. Amazing how it does it they can have what they want to do each day, but
0: something always something new comes. Something new awesome, comes. They, Cindy's always taking on opportunities, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> and then she hands them to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but that's her crying out for more help. I I need help with my opportunities. I need help. I mean that's
1: how like, it, it just keeps on going with the Right.
0: Someone's inspired right here. Someone's all excited. anybody else? I had promised to leave early today. It's 10 till. Go ahead, Cindy. That's just so good, baby, because
1: I've been feeling it sometimes. you kind of happy because it's something that's like way beyond what you think. Like
0: like you don't feel like you have the resources for it. Whether it's, I mean, respect. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: why big things
0: beyond your heart that like, be more... Beyond your ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: yeah. how do you reach out to people to partner and like, like, or like, that's what's, this is relevant. Like,
0: for, Good. for my heart's been. Good. <laughs> yeah, and so I just want to tie the, those comments together and just tell you, grace, grace to you right now with the problems, opportunities, and responsibilities you currently have. Grace, grace to you. Whatever you're trying to carry right now, whatever, for for some of you in this room, you're like, Mark, great message, but that's got to be for somebody else right now because I'm overwhelmed right now. I speak to your heart, I speak to your ability, I speak to your capacity. Grace, grace. Very good message. And now I ask, Lord God, As the grace empowers, as the grace comes, as the grace gives wisdom, as the grace gives vision, as the grace gives strategy to take on and to overcome, I thank you for more opportunities and more problems and more responsibilities. Because that's what makes life worth it. I'm praying, all right, my kids are not going to like what I'm about to say, nor will my wife. But I'm praying that we would look for more problems, opportunities, and responsibilities more than we'll look for our next vacation. I'm not looking at my wife right now. (laughs) I mean this with all sincerity because the earth is crying. Romans 8 says the earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation, manifestation of the sons of God. The earth is groaning, waiting for your manifestation. So as the manifestation comes, it answers the groans that are going on in the earth right now. The earth has been held captive by the same captivity people have been held captive to. So as the children of God are set free, walk in the nature and character of their father, then the earth begins to respond. That's you, and that's me. That's why we're here. That's why we still live and breathe air. I bless you to believe that and be people of consequence. Yeah, Jen.
1: Mark, I think to speak to your point that you've already made, I think that opportunity right now that's practical for all of us is just to seek mentors, is to seek wisdom, because I think in relationship, as you grow in that relationship, you grow to that next There you You go. Up when you invest in people, so Uh I think to make it a practical step, because I think we're all sitting here like, okay, so how can I do this? Well, you do it by just you have to seek people and pursue that opportunity, and when you do, you level up, and you're you're more equipped to then deal with whatever life brings
0: you. That's awesome. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? So seek out Jen (laughs) Everett's. Sorry. <laughs> Jen's like, that's not what I meant.
1: Like, I, I, I've got to say something. Uh, like, people help me and stuff. so I try to help as many people mm-hmm. as I can. Like, in my building. Like, when I'm sitting outside and I know that their, like, hands are full and stuff, I, I say, let me open the door for you. There you go. And then, uh, like, with Kendall. He, like, when my, after my mom passed away, he, like, we're supposed to feel like if there's sad, we're to feel sad for them, like Kendall. Mm-hmm. feels sad for me. felt sad for me because my, of my mom.
0: Then he came alongside of you, right? It came alongside. And you started me. feeling better. Yeah. yeah. I pray you all get a Kendall in your life. All right, guys. I love you. Thanks for listening. Grow, grow, grow. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.